I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Let's do it. All right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ, a pod divided, everyone's favorite college football show here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined by fellow University of North Georgia alumni and my good friend Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is uh, it's good to be back with you at the uh, the day of the national championship. It's a uh, big stuff, man. It's, uh, it is it's officially because a bittersweet day, you know, because biggest day of the college football season, but uh, but also this basically the start of the off season. And uh, what another five hundred day? Not five hundred. The year's not nearly that long. Like two hundred days until uh, college football season or something like that. I, I heard I heard someone brought dropped the stat and it was a depressing. A depressingly high number. I mean, five hundred was wild. I you just you're pay, you're penciling in past another calendar year. I don't know where that came from, Matt Green. Well, we're going on Mars uh, calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the years are a little bit longer. Uh, you hey. I, I I don't. But no, I mean, you know, uh, for me, Tennessee now top five basketball program blows out Old Miss on Saturday. Baseball right around the corner. I mean, it's just nice. Like I'm not sweating. Those Bulldogs nine straight, I believe, in basketball. Mm uh beat missouri this weekend so mm-hmm. watch out for the dogs hey did you watch it of course i didn't but <laughs> i also have you heard about the golf tournament that's going on right now i think mm-hmm. like just got the the leader maybe the guy who won today and like that guy who finished like fourth place or something and one of the one of the analysts was kisner also a, a georgia guy so hey georgia's doing a lot of things in a lot of different sports all right wow and he's not watching any of them, folks. The man's not locked in. But it's, you know, it's like Sting's music. Like, I, I don't listen to it, but mm-hmm. the fact that he's making it, I respect that. I don't. I never thought we would uh, talk about Sting 
on this very program, Matt yeah, Green. Zoolander reference is pretty on point with uh, it's on brand with with the show. So uh, is that what that is? Deep track. Oh yeah, Hansel. That's uh, that's what he says about Sting. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember that at all. I haven't seen Zoolander in a oh, really man, really long time. Classic. That's one of those that I can quote like every scene. Like Zoolander, it's that's an all timer. Do you think like from start to finish? Because I think Dumb and Dumber, I could come pretty close to start from finish. Yeah. Um, quote wise, I don't know. Oh. If, it's a lot in, of Arrested Development I can do too. Then that like first part of the movie, which might be like the funniest part of the whole movie, when they're just doing like the montage of like the award show of like Zoolander and Hansel's like career and up for model of the year and all that. Like it's in that whole thing. Like that's that's one of the funniest parts of the whole movie. There you go. I like it. Uh Matt Green. Speaking of things we like, Nigel the Nighthawk, uh noted friend of the show as to University of Northwood alumni. We uh have some news from Nigel the Nighthawk dropping off uh on the doorstep this week, sir. Um before we get into our college football playoff uh official championship preview here with Michigan and Washington, sir. Um a couple days ago, Will Howard uh committed to Ohio State. Uh big transfer from um kansas state and it was kind of a surprise because we had talked about on this show and it seems like all the tea leaves indicated that he was usc bound and maybe just because uh moss just really had a great bowl game maybe he's more uh more equipped to take that over and maybe they're comfortable giving him the reins it seems like bowl season now is kind of like a uh a trial run for a lot of these guys so if you want to not lose your job to a portal guy or whatever then this is your opportunity to solidify yourself uh are these bowl games because they're exhibitions it's like hey if you ball out you might get this job and will howard might not come for it and it's it's you're now officially qb1 at usc going into next year so i don't know i think it's interesting for what this means for usc going forward in their first year in the big 10 but i also think people who are kind of joking like i saw one tweet by one cultural writer who was like um questioning the difference between will howard and kyle mccord and i was like what are we doing here like this is an obvious upgrade this isn't don't overthink this kyle mccord was not good at ohio state this year will howard has been a good college football quarterback who's won a lot of games and played uh, a lot of good football over the last two years and i don't know i think this is a huge win uh actually for ohio state and ryan day i think this is a this is a big time dub uh for the buckeyes what say you matt green yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's that's actually the exact direction I was going to go with it. I've seen a lot of people kind of kind of clowning this. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're going from Kyle McCord to Will Howard. Like, like it's not an upgrade at all. And and I was really impressed with, like, he took Kansas State to another level in 2022 when he finally became the guy full time. And, I mean, he wasn't amazing last year like or this past year, but, like, Kyle McCord was just so average. I, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's only been a starter for one year. It's like maybe this guy does improve, but it's when you're when you're at Ohio State, you're just you're given the keys to an, a Lamborghini. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's not hard. And we've seen guys at Ohio State that haven't even had NFL success that just come in and absolutely ball. So the fact that it, their offense just felt so average with you know the best wide receiver in the country, another potential first round pick, just you know, just loaded with weapons and we're just not used to Ohio state looking like really a big 10 team. Like they just look like, you know, a better offense than, than the the rest of the big 10 for the most part. But it was just, it was not what we're used to seeing with how dynamic Ohio state is offensively. I think Will Howard. Yeah. Like you said, is a definite upgrade. I think he's a better athlete uh, than Kyle McCord too. No, for sure. And I, 
look, man, maybe Kyle McCord is better next year, uh, year two in the system. But I also think clearly there, there, just, there was just a lot wrong with the offensive operation at Ohio State. And I think it had to be extremely frustrating for Buckeye fans because you had Marvin Harrison. You had so many talented receivers there. You had a healthy Stover. You had a healthy Travion Henderson. Like, obviously, there were some offensive line issues throughout the year, which kind of limited them a little bit. But like, if you just had even an average Big Ten quarterback or even average like top 10 to 15 quarterback in the country, who knows where you go uh, this year because you had so much talent and the defense was elite. Like this is a different kind of Ohio State football team where they Jim Knowles has done a great job as their defensive coordinator. They had a lot of talent there. Their edges, they are great on the defensive line. It just felt like this year was a gigantic waste for Ohio State. And I feel like they had to make major moves. And I think if you had Will Howard last year, this past year with this group, they could have won the title. Absolutely. They had talent everywhere. And Will Howard being able to distribute to this amount of weapons. I mean, I, I just, you're kind of annoyed in a way if you're an Ohio State fan, because you're like, man, we should have probably just gone the transfer guy after Stroud was out and not gone the internal route. But I mean, Kyle McCord is a five-star and you still kind of bet on him uh, being able to be that guy, but he wasn't. And this is another interesting part of it. They bring in Will Howard before they bring in their new OC because Brian Hartline has been was the quote-unquote offensive coordinator this year, but he is not going to be the coordinator, offensive coordinator going into next year. Ryan Day is obviously going to always have a hand in what they do offensively, but they're going to bring in a new offensive mind. And it's interesting that they bring in, I mean, probably just because of timing with the portal and when deadlines are, but like Howard's now entering the fold. So that's your QB1. So whoever you hire needs to be able to uh, make the most of Will Howard this year because it's a gigantic year for Ryan Day after losing three straight to Ohio, to Michigan. And if Michigan wins the title uh, on Monday night, Matt Green, I mean, the pressure is on Ryan Day, who's won 50 plus games in a very short amount of time and been great Ohio State, but it's just Michigan winning three straight against you and then they win the national title. It's put up or shut up time. And that's a lot on Will Howard at this point. No, that's uh, that's definitely a good call. That's going to add a, a whole nother dynamic to it. But also, if if Will Howard is only a slight upgrade over Kyle McCord, it's like it literally may have only taken a slight upgrade for this Ohio State team to win the national championship. Like mm. he was clearly the weak link on this team. It was an elite defense. They did have elite playmakers, and it was just I think you saw in the Michigan like this team. This team started eleven and zero. Like you know we can talk about the Missouri game if we want. It you know it doesn't really matter. So it's they they started eleven and zero, being as flawed as they were. Just a, a a a little bit of an upgrade at quarterback could take this team a long way. No, I just I'm very excited to see what the what it's going to look like because I think Ohio State is just the pressure is on for Ohio State uh, going into 2024. Um, but we'll see what ends up happening there and who their new OC will be for Will Howard because it won't be Colin Klein, his OC at uh, Kansas State, because he is now the OC at Texas A&M under Mike Elko in year one in college station. Uh, Matt Green pivoting a little bit. Um, gut reaction to Jeff Collins uh, to UNC as the new DC. I kind of like this bit by Mac Brown, just ex head coach who didn't really work out as a head coach in the South. And you're not really sure if they're a good defensive mind, but they're a good name. They'll probably recruit. Okay. I don't know what to make of this. It can't be worse than uh, Gene Chizik um, has done uh, at UNC over the last two years. But man, I, I don't know. Like, 
if you're a UNC fan, do you feel like, hey, the Bandit? Because, like, UNC was a borderline top 10 team this year again. I mean, Drake May was obviously awesome. The offense has been great every year um, with uh, Mac Brown since he's returned to North Carolina, but they've not been able to get that defense right. I mean, what a, what's your gut reaction to Jeff Collins as the new defensive coordinator uh, at North Carolina? I think it's absolutely, I think it's a huge hire. Like, because you just look at, I, I feel like fans just are, are so, uh, I don't know, uh, ADD, like they're just they have such small attention spans because it's like when Will Muschamp left South Carolina, it's or got fired from South Carolina. It's like it's like he was like a joke uh, mm. somehow uh, amongst fans. Like, oh, oh yeah, Will Muschamp's gonna come in and help your program. <laughs> it's like he was a failed head coach, but like don't mm. get it twisted. This guy was one of the best assistant coaches in college football. That's why he was named head coach in waiting at University of Texas before he'd ever coached a game. So. It's it's funny how fans kind of forget like like Manny Diaz like yeah mm-hmm. he had like some some success as a as a defense as a head coach but he goes to Penn State and he's coaching one of the best defenses in college football so you know I think getting a guy that's been a head coach say what you want about Jeff Collins and his success at, at lack of success at Georgia Tech I think that's a that's a big time just guy to have uh, at North Carolina where you really you have to change an entire culture on like that, that side of the football. Like they've just been for however many years under Mac Brown, just see how, if you can outscore the opponent, regardless, like if they're playing G five games, like they're just trying to outscore everybody. So uh, they, they definitely need to improve that defense. And I think that's a good point where I just think people just remember it going awry at tech, but it's like, his defenses were great at Florida and Mississippi State. Like they were, I mean, you had Fletcher Crocs of the world, and I think they were top 10 in defense both the years he was at Florida. Like Jeff Collins was a hot defensive coordinator name um, years ago. And I mean, obviously it did not go the way he wanted to at Georgia Tech, but like I think UNC probably couldn't have done better here. I think that's a worthy gamble for Mac Brown. I agree with you. I think if you can get you somewhere closer to that 40 to 30 range defensively and you're still able to cook offensively. Drake May's gone, but they've recruited well at the quarterback spot. Like, I think, I mean, that's a really good team. They're right up there. Like Florida State, we talked about last week. They're going to be down a little bit. Clemson is a huge wild card. Like, I mean, Louisville, we'll see what they look like uh, in year two under Jeff Brown. Do they take a slight step back? I don't know. North Carolina is going to be right there atop the ACC. So I think uh, if you're a North Carolina fan, you got to feel pretty good about uh, your chances, even losing Drake May uh, this offseason. Yeah, it, it's it definitely feels like they wasted two straight elite talents at the quarterback position, mm. and we'll see where they can go from there. Um, speaking of wasting uh, all-time great quarterback runs here, Matt Green, the LSU Tigers, uh, the Heisman uh, winner this year, not play uh, a meaningful college football playoff game this year because, whew, that defense did not go well for House uh, and company. And Brian Kelly, to his credit, he made quick moves and he cleaned the cleaned everybody out on the defensive side of the ball. He loses his OC though, uh, who goes back to Notre Dame, big time assistant hire by Marcus Freeman to get him back, um, who orchestrated this uh, great season from Jane Daniels and company. So we'll see how that unfolds on that front because Auburn also is looking for a new office coordinator after firing Philip Montgomery uh, last week. So we'll see how the Auburn LSU OC battle goes. Um, between two SEC West rivals here, sir. But um, they go out and they get Brian Baker, who uh, coached an elite defense. You saw him up close um, this year when Missouri came to the University of Georgia this fall and played Georgia extremely well on the road. 
This is a big hire for LSU, so credit to Brian Kelly for bringing in Baker because I think my immediate reaction is, this is this is good. They had to get right. He made adjustments, and he got right uh, with this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's something had to change on that side of the football. Like, if this team had a top 50 defense, like, they'd probably win the West uh, this mm-hmm. year. But they were just... They they made Wisconsin look like they had a good offense. I mean that's the bowl game, but it's uh it's still it was it was more of the same that we saw all year from LSU. And he has experience in the area. He was uh, the Louisiana Tech uh, DC from 2015 to 2018. Um, he's going to get 2.5 million a year, which will make him the highest paid assistant in college football this year, Matt Green. Hey, get paid. LSU's uh, got big time potential defensively. Like they have no business playing that way. So uh, Brian Kelly, this is, you know, after year two, like it's interesting how we talk about like the year two bump and lots of times it, it doesn't come from the guys who actually have a good year one, like for Mm. whatever reason. And so to go into year three, firing a lot with a new defensive staff, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll it'll definitely crank up the pressure. Oklahoma and, L- and Texas joining the conference. It's it's not going to get any easier. What would you guess his record is two years in? Without looking. I mean, I think off, it's probably not easy. Twenty and six. That's exactly right. He's been exactly ten and three both years. Yes. And it doesn't feel like Brian Kelly's just solid. Like he's just raised the program. They're going to be great every year. Now it's just like. You got an at least coordinator hires, but also we'll see Garrett Nussmeyer is going to get the opportunity to finally take over um, as QB one here. You've uh, recruited wealth up. They just landed the number one recruit in the 2025 20, class in Bryce Underwood um, this week. So that's a, that's a big one for LSU. He's recruiting well, um, but we'll see. I think they're LSU is a very interesting year three team. Um, and then what if, Brian Kelly gets stolen by Michigan this offseason. If Michigan wins the title, what if Jim Harbaugh bolts for the Chargers and he takes the Michigan job? Like then all kinds of chaos might unfold here. Yeah, I um that would be pretty wild. I uh I just don't think Michigan has anything that LSU doesn't have. Like obviously they'll have a national championship this season potentially, but I mean there's there's just no reason to jump ship. Like LSU's capable of being the best program in college football. So it, he can that, drop the accent. <laughs> that's fair. That's why this year was just so surprising because you feel, you felt like Brian Kelly was going to like, pre- like stop LSU from being this just hot or cold team, you know, and giving up 50 points and, and things like that. Like just seeing a defense that bad, with how just solid they always were year in year out in another game with probably lesser athletes than LSU's getting uh, on the defensive side of the ball. It was just really surprising, especially just when you have the best quarterback in college football and just a ridiculous offense like they had this year. No, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm very curious what it looks like. Uh, for, and hey, this is a win for Vol fans because Mizzou loses their top DC. So that's nice after an all time great uh, Mizzou year. That's tough. And also, this is like this sucks for those kids who just signed to play for Coach Baker. And he's gone. So this is like when coaches complain about this stuff, I'm like, y'all do this too. Like this is, this is messed up in a way. And I understand it's not your fault. You didn't know the LSU DC was going to come open. It's a better job. You now the highest paid assistant nationally, it's all understandable, but there are kids who committed to play in this scheme and play for this coach. And now they're locked in for yeah, this year. Pause of the college ball calendar. You just, 
you make someone have to have like a bad PR move at some mm-hmm. point in their life. Like he can, he can definitely bounce back from it and, and coach LSU to a great defense, but there's still a, a moment in time where he, there's going to be players who feel like he turned their back on them and mm-hmm. it's like, it, they're not wrong. Cause they literally just signed like two weeks ago. And now the DC's bouncing. It's yep. like that. We remember with Roquan Smith and that, that, that at least worked out on signing day. Uh, the the linebacker coach from UCLA was getting hired by the Falcons, and so he mm-hmm. didn't sign last minute. But you know, you just you put these coaches in such a terrible position, like just like we have the portal sign. Like we need to have that period where this is where the coaches are are going to the pros, going to the college, and, and the the coaching carousel is happening. Like if you could if you could just make these all different periods of time, then then nobody has to feel like they're they're turning their back on anybody. Absolutely. Um, Matt Green, let's pivot to one final thing uh, before we get into our college football playoff preview this week in the dogs. We talked a lot about Tennessee on tonight's Tennessee ball sports guys. So I'm going to stay away from the balls. Not a lot happening yet. We'll see if uh, any of these final portal offensive linemen end up in orange uh, in the next couple of days, but that is TBD. Um, this week in dogs, Julian Humphrey uh, back for the university of Georgia. He entered the portal Will Muschamp and company swoop in and get him out of the portal. How important was it to get Humphrey back uh, for this Georgia cornerback room in 2024, Matt Green? I think it was huge, especially with having like some big time uh, backups that have already hit the portal with uh, who AJ Harris mm-hmm. and Nyland Green. Like those dudes are both former top like 40 recruits coming out of high school, and they're both in the portal. I know Nyland Green's. Uh, committed to Purdue I don't think AJ Harris is actually I think there is a chance he might come back to Georgia but there's no uh he hasn't actually committed anywhere yet but yeah I mean Dalen Everett was basically the only guy that was giving up uh passes in Georgia in Georgia's defense this year like no disrespect to him but he was the one weak link and defense is picked on him for sure he's he's uh he's the one that was in a first year starter so you saw Drew. Uh, excuse me. We saw Julian Humphrey come in for Everett at times with Kamari Laster on the other side. So I think near 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 the end of the season, some people were starting to think Humphrey was going to take that second cornerback spot until he got hurt. I think in the second or third to last game. So uh, he's definitely a projected starter, and so t- to have him coming back is huge because Georgia's already you know they're losing Tyke Smith, they're losing. Uh, Javon Bullard and Lassiter in the secondary, so they they need a little bit of that continuity back. No, I uh, I don't disagree. I'm I'm very curious. I mean, with the defensive talent, uh, just changes at Georgia. I wonder how this all unfolds for them. Because I mean, they got some guys back. I think that's going to happen in the portal, by the way, folks. Like just because a guy enters the portal, like there, it's kind of just a leverage play. And some like Georgia obviously put the full court pressure to bring him back. And you saw how they valued him. Like it's obviously a little bit different with the way they see Humphrey versus I think AJ Harris and Nyland green. Right. Yeah. And he's actually gotten on the field, like played yeah. minutes, like those guys, Nyland green was a uh, part of that amazing punt, uh, punt by Scott. Was it Brett Thorson, uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee last year, but yeah, probably the biggest play he's made and he, he didn't even really make it it was just a perfect punt that went out of the one yard line but yeah he was a big time prospect he has all the potential so i was a little surprised that with the second cornerback spot kind of being up for grabs that some of these underclassmen uh decided to transfer but maybe you know maybe they see the writing on the wall and that that julian humphrey 
is a clearly uh, that second corner if he's back. Well, now that he is coming back. Absolutely. Uh, Matt Green, you ready for our college football uh, final preview here this week? Yeah, man. Let's do it. This is the big one. 2-0 last week, Matt Green. Many were wondering about Washington and uh, Michigan. I was thinking about this today. I don't know if you agree. Isn't it kind of nice that the last 14 playoff is ending with two undefeated teams? Because I don't think we'll ever see this again in college football. I don't think we'll ever see two undefeated teams match up in the college football national championship again in our lifetime. That's as long as the 12 team playoff. And I think it eventually goes like 16 or something years from now. But um, I don't know. Isn't that just kind of nice? that That's how it's ending with two undefeated teams. First of all, we are definitely going to see two undefeated teams again. It's Do you really think so? It's going to happen without a doubt. It's it's a lot it, of games, man. You're looking at like 16, 17 and 0 potentially. It definitely is. But I think that's I, I, I agree with you. I'm glad uh, we got this uh, this final matchup we we have. But um, I, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's going to be the last time. I think uh, I think th- this is kind of why I like this format better of the four teams, because there is something about college football that you do have to be just about perfect to win a national championship. And it's going to change in the future. Uh, we'll see if it changes for the better, but I don't know. It's like, you saw Georgia go 15 and zero a year ago. Like if they, if they uh, had a 12 team playoff, they only play one more game. So mm. the idea of going 16 and zero, and that, that would have been against a worse team also like in a, in a, an eight seed or something like that in the, in the second round, I guess, technically. Mm. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think we're, we're done seeing undefeated teams. It'll, it'll be tough though. It might be just be that much more impressive. For sure. For sure. Um, well, let's start here because I've gone back and forth on this. I was pretty certain about Washington and Michigan winning their games, uh, last week, Matt cream. I will confess. I am less certain about where I sit on this particular game. Um, I think this is an awesome defense wins championships versus offense wins championships type deal in modern college football. I'm excited for that matchup here. If Michigan can slow down Michael Penix in this roster for the first time of anybody uh, this year. And if it was anybody, guess what? The number one scoring defense in the sport is a fun final boss uh, for Washington. But in your estimation, why will if we're going to play both sides here, like we did last week, why, if Michigan wins, why will Michigan beat Washington on Monday night? So I think if Michigan wins, it's that's the tricky part because I think Michigan can win this game a lot of ways. I think Washington kind of has to win this game a certain way. Uh, but I think like if, if Michigan, if Michigan forces multiple interceptions, for Michael Penix, I think that's like if you need like a guarantee, like a like a, a stat that like that's gonna guarantee a Michigan win. I think I think multiple turnovers uh, is equals a Michigan win. I I think a Michigan win to me, I think it has to be kind of a a big win. I think it has to be Washington unfolds a little bit. I think Washington, like they get down eight plus for the first time all season. I think for Michigan to win this game, I think it's not going to look like TCU Georgia a year ago, but I do think it needs to be for them where it's like this domination where Washington can't do anything with this Michigan front that Washington's not able to get on the field because Michigan is just 
doing four-yard play after four-yard play after four-yard play and really just grinding this Washington front seven into submission with Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards, and then taking the occasional deep shot or underneath stuff to Wilson or whoever and just living on that and Washington just not being able to do anything about it. I think that's how Michigan has to win this game if they're going to win. Is I actually don't think they'll it's going to be like a Michigan-Alabama a week ago. To me, the recipe for Michigan winning this game is Washington getting in their own heads here, where if you're down 14 nothing uh, or 10 nothing even early to a team like Michigan, how does Washington respond to being punched in the mouth like that? Um, they haven't been in that kind of situation. If I see we're after the first quarter and it's like 7-3 Washington, I think it might get a, a little bit uneasy for Michigan fans. They might not have been in a specific situation like battling from behind, but this team's been in so many uh, close games all year, like just street fights, like different kinds. Washington of- or Michigan? Washington. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I just feel like if you're Michigan, to feel good about this, you do not want this to be close going into the fourth quarter. I think this needs to be like 24-7 going into the fourth quarter if you're a Michigan fan to feel okay. Because if this comes down to one final possession i'm not taking michigan here like i understand they had a great fourth quarter and came took milro fumble it took some took hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Some luck here for Michigan to pull that one out against Alabama. I think you want to stay away from that against Washington because they won't make those same mistakes. I'd say they forced that Milrow fumble, right? Like that's not just like wasn't just like a fluke thing. Like yeah. like the like the the muffed punt. Like they didn't mm-hmm. Alabama didn't force the muffed punt. But um, I mean I don't know. I just I think Michigan's got multiple different ways because because Washington doesn't have that elite defense. Like they've they've played well at times for sure. They're not just some garbage. Uh, they, probably something like 2019 LSU like that's a team that won with offense but by the end of the year the defense was was making some plays they weren't just they weren't terrible so mm. uh I could see Michigan being able to run on them or maybe maybe Michigan's able to get some some big pass plays like they were like this Alabama defense is a lot better than Washington's and and Michigan was able to get some big plays on them and 
and J.J. McCarthy was able to have success on, against them. So Washington is 109th in the country in sacks this year, 19 sacks on the season. So if if they're not going to, if McCarthy's going to have time, obviously I've been as critical of J.J. McCarthy as anybody, but if you're giving him time to to find to find a guy Michigan's got enough good receivers like they're not uh, elite like NFL type guys but but they have a bunch of good receivers that can that can get first downs and just keep the chains moving I also wonder when I look at this game what do you think is the likelihood that Michigan is able to just establish their will and make this ugly and make this a situation where Michael Penix has his worst game as a Husky like based on what you've seen from Michigan over the course of the year, Matt Green, what is the likelihood that they're able to limit Washington to 10 to 17 points, something like that in this game? It's hard to say because the two best quarterbacks they faced this year were uh, Talia Tagovailoa and Kyle McCord. And in Mm. both games, both of those guys were held to like around 250 yards and both of them threw two picks. McCord threw two touchdowns and two picks or did Talia down? Yeah. Uh, McCord threw two touchdowns, mm-hmm. two picks, uh, and Tunga Vailoa threw no touchdowns and two picks. So, and those two games were still close. So, they haven't faced a quarterback anywhere close to what Michael Penix Jr. has been this year. Obviously, they faced him a couple years ago at, at Indiana, but um, this is a different guy now in Kalen DeBoer's offense. And, and these receivers they have, it's just like I'm trying to compare this like to, to like uh, two teams we've seen before. and like the closest thing kind of feels like 2019 LSU and 2021 Georgia, like just kind of the styles that uh, this Washington and Georgia t- and this Washington Michigan team are. So if, if the, in that exact hypothetical matchup, I think most people are probably taking 2019 LSU. So I, I keep going back and forth uh, on this game personally. I do too, but I also think it was interesting. So their last title, they shared it with Nebraska in 97, right? And they were undefeated that year. Woodson wins the Heisman. S&P Plus, um, they were actually higher this year than that 97 title team uh, per Bill Connolly. So, I mean, this is a better team, at least statistically, than a team that won the title in 97. Um, I got a, I got a win. Yeah. Hmm? So, you, like you said, last uh, national title they won, they split with Nebraska in 97. Do you know mm-hmm. when their last national championship was before that, sir? Oh, the only reason I know that is because I looked at Bill Connolly's stuff today. It's 1948. 1948. Six mm-hmm. of Michigan's nine national championships in their history were 100-plus years ago. It's, yeah. It's kind of wild how much Michigan's tradition from the 1910s is kind of like affected their reputation still today. But uh, this is um, obviously this Michigan team, what they've been under Jim Harbaugh the last couple of years. Uh, they're they're a powerhouse. So Washington, on the other hand, 91, 1991 was their only uh, split national championship. They split it with Miami uh, that year. So uh, it's it's been a while. I'm glad, like you said, we're going to get, in the last year of the the playoff, oh, this other last trivia question here: mm-hmm. When was the last time the Pac-12 and the Big Ten faced off for the national championship, sir? Ooh, Pac-12 and the Big Ten faced off. Um, hmm. USC and Ohio State never played. Um, hmm. 
Hold on, I'm thinking. Uh, oh, not Oregon and Ohio State. Uh, no. Was I, I right? I'm gonna give you credit because you said that was not the answer, but that is the answer. Okay, I, I think. About, okay, there you go. Yeah. Arizona and uh. That's right. Jones. There you go. I forgot that was the Mariota year that they actually. Okay. Um, yeah. man, time flies. There you go. See, we did it. Um, Dylan Johnson though hurts now his leg. Matchup. You what? Now it's going to be a Big Ten matchup, Washington and uh, and Michigan. It is a Big Ten matchup. <laughs> Technically, the final was two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams here. Yeah, and and they play next year. And Michigan, I think, does Michigan to go to Texas or does Texas go to Michigan next year? I think uh, Michigan schedule is going to be a lot of fun next year. It's a good question. I think um, they go to Michigan next year. Yeah, so that'll be a good Texas. Texas and Georgia, Texas and Michigan. We're going to get all kinds of, uh, I think, Oregon, Ohio State play again. It's, uh, it's, a, whole, it's a brand new world. A brand new what world. What do you think about um, Oklahoma and Texas getting a home game like to start off their SEC? I, I feel like you should have to go on the road, like a mm. welcome SEC moment. Like, what is this like warm greeting? Like, hey, are here, here's a home game versus uh one of the prominent teams in the conference. I don't, I don't like it. Hmm. But I guess Missouri, I think Missouri and A&M did the same thing. I want to say Missouri and A&M played Georgia and, uh, and Florida for their first games. So I think, is that the same thing? Is that Georgia and Florida? I think are Oklahoma and uh, Texas's first conference games, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So uh, I don't know. They got, here's the thing. You end up playing everybody. <laughs> You're, you, you can't run from the beast that is the SEC uh, the new SEC going into next year. I mean, you're going to rotate. You're going to play everybody. There's no hiding um, in the 2024 version of the SEC. No, that's definitely true. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Dylan Johnson, though. We'll see what his foot injury looks like for this one. He gets hurt late against Texas. How much does that affect your pick here when you think about the fact that Washington might not be able to run the football uh, at all against Michigan and they are might have to pass against a very aggressive, solid secondary for Michigan. Um, this will be, the, I think, the best that Washington's seen. Like, is that something? Can, and this is a two-parter, I guess. Can they win if Michael Penix isn't elite in this game? Because Michigan can win if JJ's okay and not elite. I don't know if, if um, Washington can win if Michael Penix doesn't ball out. No, not at all. And I think that's why that's kind of what I was saying with I think Michigan has a lot more ways they can win the game. Like they can they can maybe turn the ball over a couple of times. They can just, you know, when your defense is so good, I think you just have a, a bigger margin of error. And um I think when you look at Washington, yeah, like Dylan, he told his mom he's going to play. So mm-hmm. he he he's not going to lie to his mom. So he said he's going to play. He can't be 100%. I don't know. Just the way he got uh, the way he came off the field at the end of, of the game uh, last week, I don't know. I'm I'll, I'm I'm skeptical that he'll that he'll be as effective. And and Texas was also right there with Michigan in terms of uh, yards per carry. Like they were right there. I think 2.9 yards per carry allowed, um, like top five in the country. And Dylan Johnson wasn't able to do much. I think he had like 50 yards on 20 something carries. So this Michigan defense is even tougher than Texas's, but um. I think it's it's all going to come down. I, I think that's the biggest thing, though, is they don't have to run the ball. If if Washington mm. is running the ball, they might blow out uh, Michigan. Like it's it could be a route, but because 
I think Michael Penix and these receivers can win this this game on their own potentially because they're just that dangerous. So if they're actually able to get uh, a good contribution from Dylan Johnson, like I think that's how Washington wins this game, like easily maybe. I don't think there's a path to Washington winning in a blowout. I think there's a path to Michigan winning in a blowout where like they're front seven and they just dominate in the trenches and make life a living hell for Washington in a way that they have not experienced all season long. No, that's true. But I mean, you just look at when they faced Oregon and both times and when they faced Utah, like those are probably the best defenses they they faced in the, in the PAC 12 this year. And, and they put up 35 pretty much every time. So I think this, this Washington offense is just so dynamic. I, it's hard to say like there's not blowout potential here on their side just because like Michigan cannot hang with them if this becomes a shootout. Like I, that that's something people always said about Georgia uh, with Kirby Smart, but it's like okay, well we have one of the best defenses in the country. It's probably not going to be a shootout. So that's what Michigan has going for them, but I just I I look at what Washington is capable of offensively and I mean it's not it's not out of the question that they could just be unstoppable. The, what would you guess is the best pass defensive rating of uh, any team that Washington's played this year as of right now? I know Utah's best, uh, the best total defense rating um, in, in the, uh, in the pack 12. So, but I, not overall or not pass defense is, I don't know, maybe like Oregon state or something, Oregon. Okay. 54th right now. Ooh. Do you know where Michigan sits? Um, are they first, second in pass defense in the country? First, Do you know right. where Texas was last week? Oh, Texas is what, like a hundred and tenth or something like that? Ninety fourth. Ninety fourth. Okay. I don't think they're gonna be. The, my gut tells me there's been a lot of like, who's gonna stop Washington? Who's gonna stop it? No one's been able to do it. I've been on the Washington train all year long. Then Kalen DeBoer and this group is awesome. This is like the ultimate like blue chip battle too here that I think this is where it ends. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and put out my pick right now. I think Washington's a great story. I think they've had an amazing season. I don't think they're beating Michigan. I don't think they're going to be able to do what they have done all season long against Michigan. I think Michigan, it's going to be kind of cold-blooded how this game goes. It's just the more I sit on it, the more I think about it, I think Michigan's going to dominate in the trenches here. And I think they're going to push Washington around in a way they have not been pushed around all year long. Oregon tried. They weren't able to do it. I think Washington's not going to be able to make some big-time turnovers, really get Michigan off the field here. My gut tells me it's going to be, I'm going to put my final pick, Michigan 31, Washington 10 is going to be my pick. I actually think Michigan I think this is going to be kind of mean. That's my gut is this is going to be a mean Michigan title where they're frustrated. They can't have they Michigan takes away the big play altogether. And it just, they just grind Washington into submission and look, love Washington. My gut tells me this is where it ends. And that Michigan who has been the best college football team all year long, all year long, they finish the drill here and uh, take things, uh, take it, take their championship back to Ann Arbor and uh, <laughs> the most hilarious, like the Connor Stallions thing. I wonder too, like in a different universe, are they 
as just fired up if Harbaugh doesn't get suspended and they don't have these emotional victories and the team doesn't come together the way that they did during this midseason craziness because that clearly helped them. Like that clearly brought this team closer together and it was an us against the world type deal. It's helped them in a major way. Hard to say it helped them. It's like they were definitely they were hurt them. They're dominating most of the shitty teams they played for like the first nine, ten games, and then they beat Penn State. They beat Ohio State. So, but I it's mean, kind yeah. of like what you said. You're a Georgia fan. You understand this? Where it's like everyone said we're seven and five. They were saying like this is that version where they're like we only can win when we cheat. Like oh yeah, we only win when uh, we have a guy appearing at Central Michigan yeah. games. <laughs> flex at all like yeah you got caught cheating and then your quarterback stats were like significantly worse in those games after the cheating had been exposed like well after still... harbaugh wasn't around and when harbaugh wasn't around so i mean i don't i mean it's not like this isn't some sort of like us against the world because like you're like we hate you or something it's like you, you cheated that, like that's why people hate the astros it's not because like anything else is like they cheated that's I don't know that them them playing the victim is, is kind of hilarious to me, but I mean, I can definitely see a scenario where Michigan just bullies Washington because that's how they play. But you just look at like the three biggest wins of the season, Penn state, Ohio state and Alabama, like all of those teams have suspect passing a uh, suspect passing game. Like as good as Jalen Milrow is not as, as dynamic as he is, like they were not afraid of Alabama's passing attack at all. And they were just pinning the ears back and just come coming after him. And they were just all over Jalen Milrow. I don't think they can just sell out with the, all the playmakers that Washington has. Like they're, they'll dump off some short stuff and make plays after the catch. Like all three of these guys are NFL prospects. Like these are, these are going to be some high draft picks. And I just, I, I don't see a scenario where either of these teams wins in a blowout, to be honest. That's my gut, is they win. So well, what's your... I need to make my pick right now? It's time for your pick, Matt Green. Oh, man. I um. So going back to my, my 2019 LSU versus 2021 Georgia uh, reference there, I feel like both of these teams are like a diet version of those two teams. Maybe that's disrespectful to how good Michigan is this year, but... I there's so many games in college football. Like we've now that we've gotten this era, like it, we used to say like, Oh, you have to have a first round quarterback and elite receivers to win a national championship until you didn't until Georgia did it a couple of times without it. And now Michigan is built in that same mold. Let's not forget that the ultimate equalizer in this sport is having an elite quarterback with a bunch of weapons. Like, they feel like I would say they kind of feel like a Deshaun Watson Clemson team, but they're nowhere near as good defensively as those teams were. But I just, the more I go back and forth on this, like we, we can talk about like, like we talk in such like finality, like, Oh, Michigan beat Alabama. They flex their muscles on Alabama. It's like they beat them in overtime. Like they had to put a 90 yard drive with three minutes left to, to, force overtime in that game like a flawed Alabama team was having success against Michigan last week as good as good as they are that we've talked about how flawed their offense is all season this they're not going to have that same luxury against Washington this Washington offense is going to be something like they have not seen all season 
And I don't think they hold this Washington offense under 30 points, to be honest. And no one has held in the biggest games this year. There was that, there was that uh, dog fight in Corvallis that was that they they pulled out. But in all of the biggest games this year for Washington, they've put up basically 35 points. So I'm gonna have to go with the Huskies. I think Michael Penix has his Deshaun Watson Ooh. moment, and Washington wins this thing 31-27. First team ever to win the national title, not being in the blue chip ratio for you. Yeah, and I would I would love it too because I think that's uh, the blue chip ratio and the composite talent ranking stuff is. It, I love I love the spirit. I love where they're going with it, but I just I don't believe in the numbers at all. Like a team, so a a, a stat that tells me that Auburn had a top fifteen roster in college football last year, or, or Florida had a top fifteen roster in college, like I don't believe that stat. Like I just I saw it with my own eyes. Those who are not two of the top and it tells you Alabama's number one right the the mm-hmm. most talented team ever and this was clearly not the most talented team ever so you look at Washington I don't know what all those guys were ranked coming out of high school but I look at them right now and they got a bunch of dudes on both sides of the ball too I just feel like their defense they, there is a lot of talk about them being like TCU which I think a lot of people say in a disrespectful way I say in a way that like the team got to the national championship when it started the season 13 and one or whatever it was before losing to Georgia, this TCU team or this Washington team has a lot of NFL players on it. And I don't, I don't think that Michigan's going to be able to, uh, to, to stop this offense. So I I think um, ultimately I can't pick a bunch of cheaters like the Michigan Wolverines. So give me, give me the Washington Huskies to do it for the first time since 1991 first outright national championship in school history. Wow. And then so we can we hear disagree. Bill We can hear Bill Walton somewhere for the last time saying the Conference of Champions. That was my Bill Walton impression. Is that how was that? That wasn't great. <laughs> don't don't go into impressions, Mac Green. Talented Fair guy, enough. but impressions isn't. I'm not an impressions guy either. Also, for the YouTube uh, watchers out there, if you notice my attire here, it's a uh, mm-hmm. it's a little Georgia back to back national champion. Uh, chip uh, hoodie. I got super comfortable. Shout out to my brother uh, for giving this to me. Um, but it'll be wow. seven, 727 days, ladies and gentlemen, that the Georgia Bulldogs have been national champions of college football. We will have 728 days total to uh, to reign on the country. And, um, you know, it, it'll finally come to an end. So shout out to Washington, Michigan, whoever gets their first ever college ball playoff championship. It's almost as if there was no no problem with this four-team format. And, you know, there we just go through different cycles of different teams being good in college football. But, unfortunately, this is the last year of the four-team playoff. I'm Actually, glad this is the year that was like the BCS was vindicated. Like, because this is your championship if the BCS is still in... Yeah, uh, True, but it's like I don't. I just don't like that. If if the SEC the SEC team bowl season's not destroyed, if you keep the BCS, let's be honest. The SEC we love the SEC down here, the most obnoxious conference in all of college football. If the SEC champion doesn't lose their last game of the of the season, they're gonna be saying the entire postseason is flawed and and somehow claim they're the best team in college football. So. You need the SEC champion 
to to just get beat on the field to actually admit it. So in oh, most wow. years, what what are we at? Oh, do you think I'm wrong? I, I mean, you this- can whine, but like we've seen it. Like USC and Texas had the best BCS national championship game. No one was saying like, oh, well, hold on. And then there was the year Auburn got left out as an undefeated SEC champ. Going way back though, it this, yeah. the streak started like literally like the year after USC Texas. But mm. I'm just saying, like if Alabama was SEC champion and was left out of the conference, you would have never heard or left out of the college football playoff. You would have never heard the end of it. So the four teams is what we needed. And most years, what is this the eleventh year or is this the is it? Do we get ten solid years of it? It's 2024. I think ten years because uh, the first one was 2014. So yeah. this would be the uh, oh wait. 2014 no, was the right. first year. It'll be exactly 10. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that 10-year format, I think more times than not, it wasn't one and two. It was at least half of them were not one and two in the in the national championship. So and we saw like Alabama, Ohio State both win it as four seeds. I know Georgia was a three seed uh, when they won it. So I think the I think the four-team playoff has 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 been perfect it was just like the bcs with a little mulligan with just like hey let's let's just get a little room for a, a little wiggle room if we'd have gone to six and actually now that we're doing this conference consolidation and everything four teams would have been perfect it, it didn't really make sense in the era of power five of quote-unquote power five to have a four-team playoff you know and one of those teams is potentially left out this is the first year that it like that it happened that way but um yeah i it's a uh, it's the end of an era, and um, I'm a little disappointed. I'll be honest. I, I, I enjoyed the 14 playoff era. I can tell. What's the, what's the, what's fine. your favorite moment of the 14 playoff era? I thought you on the- Ohio State Georgia was probably the best game. Yeah, I would say. Um, I probably enjoyed that game the most. Including the Georgia games, because Georgia was a part of some of the best uh, college football playoff games in terms of the Rose Bowl with Oklahoma. In terms Ohio of- State-Bama, where they upset Bama, and obviously Ezekiel yeah. Elliott runs wild. That was a really fun one. Clemson-Ohio yeah, State was good. Clemson interception or fumble. I can't remember what happened in that, that Oregon game where they got absolutely blasted. Yeah. 40 points. Um, but no, yeah, probably Deshaun Watson. I feel like that kind of like changed the landscape of college football. I feel like when Deshaun Watson and Clemson took down Alabama, that mm. was a overall time uh, games, but yeah, some, some great moments. There you go. Uh, Matt Green, that's all we've got. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night for the Thursday show to talk all things uh, college world national championship, how it all unfolded here uh, on this Monday night. But thank you as always, my friend. And uh, I'll talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.